1: This is The Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo!
2: Welcome into episode 223 of The Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, Bruins fall to the Flyers 3-1. It's their third preseason loss in four games. They're second to the Flyers, but... We're not keeping score at home record wise in preseason. We're trying to find out which players are making a name for themselves. And so far, there's a couple that jump off the page. Bridget and Scott, was um, Was there anybody who jumped off the page uh, against the Flyers tonight?
3: Can I go first, actually? Can I go first? Go for it, Bridget. Um, because I I know preseason hockey, people don't tune into it. People, people some people, they don't care. It's not the regular season. But I love preseason hockey and one of the main reasons is because we get to see some prospects and we get our hopes up about them and like I have my hopes all the way up for Matt uh, Patra and his chances of making the team like I'm 100% in at this point after he's had three games to prove himself. Um, he looks NHL ready and he was the best player on the ice in game four at Philadelphia. I uh, I'm excited with his playmaking, um, his ability to get pucks uh, back when he loses them. Uh, he's an NHL-ready guy, and not only that, we just know that he his ceiling has kind of been reached in, the, in juniors. Um, I don't really see him getting much out of that. So you want him to be able to, one, benefit from the good play he's had and what he's proven in preseason, and two, be able to grow. And personally, Scott, you'll agree with this. That's a great storyline. We've been talking about Bruins homegrown centers and drafting their next center. And if they get him into the regular season, he starts off in Boston and he proves himself, you're looking at okay, more praise for Don Sweeney. Like look at this kid. We've dra- we drafted him. He came up before he was even expected, kind of like a dark horse 19-year-old kid that ends up making the roster. Obviously, his spot would have to be on the bottom six, most likely as a center, because he's not played, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, any wing during the preseason. Um, But he's looked so good. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for what he can be, and I think he's NHL ready right now.
1: Yeah. In fact, Jim Montgomery has already ruled out him playing wing. Um, He said right now they consider him exclusively a center he played a little bit of wing in rookie development camp and basically it sounds like they didn't really think it went very well just because he's never played it he's always been a center um yeah i mean the the potter hype train is very real and very deserved like he has been really good in the preseason he's been really good in training camp he's been i would say he's been the best player on the Bruins in t- in two of the three games he's played yeah, and in the third, he was one of the best. So three really strong performances. Um, you know, I-, I told you guys and like I mentioned this on Twitter during uh, Monday night's game as well. I did think early in camp in practice, not so much in games, but in practice I-, I would notice times where it looked like things sped up on him a little and he either held on to a puck a little too long or just took you know, took a little too long to make a decision and kind of ran it, ran himself into trouble. It seems like, like he's already worked that out in a week and a half. Like, just the improvement from start of camp to now has been noticeable. He just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. And what has Jim Montgomery been saying? He's been saying the guys who to up making the team are the ones who get better throughout camp and basically they're like at their best at the end. It's not, you know, the guy who starts hot and then fades over the course of two weeks, isn't going to make it. So Patras started hot and keeps improving. Um, mm-hmm. I I do think like there's areas for him to work on for sure, and one very notable one is shooting the puck. He does have to be willing to shoot more because we're now he's played three games and he has one shot on goal. It happened to go in. He has yep. three to- three total shot attempts, but you know this was also something that. Was sort of on on his to do list coming out of last season in juniors, right? He was mm-hmm. he was second in the OHL in assists, but he only had sixteen goals, which by OHL standards is not not really a super impressive number. Um, so, like, yeah, he's he's gonna have to work on that. He's gonna have to shoot more. He can't just be a pass guy. But boy, like everything else, just his awareness, just his patience, the way he sees the ice. I mean, several more like really good setups tonight to create scoring chances, good plays in the D zone, getting away from some pressure. Um, I mean, at the very least, he's making a very strong case to at least get, you know, those nine regular season games that the Bruins can play him without having to burn a year off his entry-level contract. And then you can make a decision at the end of that. But yeah, I think it's, it's getting to a point where it's like you almost have to carry him into the regular season and see how he does in regular season action.
2: Yeah. I mean, his hockey IQ is, is very evident. His, his set is there. And I mean, simply put, he's a playmaker, like the pucks in a stick, he makes things happen. And you can't say that about, you can't say that about a lot of players, honestly, and and you know even NH- everyday NHL players, not all of them can can do that. And I, I think he's absolutely earned a nine game trial to start the season. And if you look at, a lot of people think he should go back to juniors and get bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, it, you don't need to be a finished product to to break into the NHL. In fact, name me one perfect hockey player. I mean, sure. Maybe you can say Connor McDavid, obviously, but like my point is, um, every player has their, you know, their their deficiencies. I mean, David Pasternak is one of the best players in the world at what he does, but he also, you know, turns the puck over quite a bit and can be a liability in turnovers. He's not bad on his on the on, on the wall in his own zone, but he turns the puck over. But you live with it, right? So, yeah, Pot- like Patro doesn't have to be a finished product to get a to get a crack. And and also, what I would say is for those that. That say, oh, don't rush him. Send him to juniors. Let him give him some time. He hasn't, you know. Don't fall in love with a couple game trial. I would say to those to those pundits and those opinions out there, why not? Like, which which player in the bottom six—Morgan Geeky, Trent Frederick—like, what have they done in like consistently in their NHL careers to to earn them a, a bonafide like third line center like spot to start the season like? I mean, Patrick Brown is battling with Johnny Beecher for fourth line center. I don't think Patra's meant to be a fourth line center, even breaking in. I think he's probably eyeing that third line center role. And it's like, like what what player in the Bruins bottom six is is so like dominant at that position or so head and shoulders above Patra, even at 19 years old? That like, oh, it's it's unfathomable for him to get a, to get that that look. I mean, this is not the Boston Bruins of certainly last year, but the last 15 years where they've always had one, two, three up the middle with Ron Creechie, and then insert name there, Chris Kelly, Charlie Coyle. They've always been good at, the, at third center. Trent Frederick doesn't have that uh, resume, and Morgan Geeky doesn't have it consistently enough. So um, I welcome the competition, and it's been, to your point, Bridget, Don Sweeney, like, yeah, kudos to him. And you see a lot of just – Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci were not the fastest players in the world, but they thought the game extremely well. And um, hockey IQ can make up for lack of speed at, at times. And it's not that Patra is not a good skater, but he doesn't need to be with his mind and, and skill set. So he's been a very, very fun player to watch. And I think that the Bruins franchise is in a position right now where they can still be competitive, but also integrate this kid um, not only for the future, but for the present too. And I think, yeah, it's a fun story to follow for sure.
3: Yeah. And, and you think about, they got him in the second round. It's not, he's not a first round pick. They were able to find a center lower in the draft. um, Then you would probably be looking for your, your next, um, you know, center that you want to maybe eventually have as your number one center in the distant future. Um, You lose David Krejci and you, I was thinking this is kind of unfortunate because we've talked about Patra having that vision that maybe you've seen seen Krejci have in the past. The fact that he wasn't really able to, I don't know if he crossed over at all in terms of times with those two being on the ice. I don't don't think so. So um, I don't mean like in games or anything like that. Like, I don't know if they've even met each other. Um, But I feel like Krejci could have been someone that he could have really learned from. So it's a little bit unfortunate that the crossover wasn't
1: there. I I think last year for very start of training camp, Patra was there and then they sent him back to juniors. So I don't know for maybe like for a week or so. And I don't know if he was at captain's practice before that, but very very short period of time there. Um, Yeah.
3: You just, you just, in my mind, it popped right in like that would have been someone that, You would have liked if in this transition period you could have had him learn from either Bergeron or Krejci just a little bit. But that aside, um, a few other things I noticed about his game that I really liked. um, He finds passing lanes kind of the way Krejci did, and he's really good at finding the trailer. So he was playing on the power play and, and even just in five on five he brings the puck into the zone and he, you know, gets guys to collapse in on him and he drops it back. And it's, you know, it helps with entries into the offensive zone and um, the team maintaining possession as they transition. So, I mean, that's big for a center to help uh, in transition like that. And he just looks smart um, in general.
1: Yeah. And he won eight of his 11 faceoffs offs tonight. Um, he was, 57% on faceoffs last year in the OHL. Um, you know, talking about, like, the the pick, Sweeney, you know, pay, picking him, deserving credit. If you go back to that 2022 draft, there were some people who, like, didn't think it was a great pick even in the second round and actually thought his Guelph teammate, Danny Jilkin, another center, should have been the pick. Jilkin was still on the board had a little bit better of an offensive season the year before and i i i didn't know you know crap about either of them so like i'm not going to pretend to have a take but i remember people saying like i think Jilkin would have been the better pick i think he has more upside well already you know i just over a year later clearly looks like potter was the right pick and and he's the player kind of on the on the better tra- trajectory now um Yeah, I mean, it's he's doing, he's definitely doing enough to get a look. And and to you guys' point about Brian, like what you were saying about the lineup, it's yeah, this isn't the past where it's Bergeron, crazy coil, and it's like, oh, well, there's nowhere for a center to break in other than the fourth line or the wing, right? Like, that's and obviously didn't pan out, but like that was kind of one of the things with Jack Stanick. It was always like. Where is he gonna break in if he even does enough to break in? Um, you know, now, like there's there's a clear opening. Like Morgan Geeky is not locked into the third line center role. He's been a fourth liner' his whole career. You, yeah, there there were there are signs there of someone who can produce more if he moves up in the lineup and potentially handle that role, but he hasn't done it. And, you know, I kind of think, Geeky's had a bit of a quiet camp. I think he's gotten a little better here, as you know, as things have gone on. And he did score the Bruins' lone goal on Monday night on the power play, um, you know, on a play that that Patra helped set up. And then Charlie Coyle made a really nice behind the back pass to set up Geeky. Um, but yeah, if Patra's better, like you can easily either bump Geeky over to the wing or bump him down to the fourth line because you know i'm i think i'm as it turns out probably a little higher on patrick brown than just about everyone else who's you know ready to send him hacking, but it's not like patrick brown's running away with the fourth line center job and locking that down either so you could drop geeky down to that brown could be an extra forward or whatever like you can figure it out from there um but, yeah, if Potch is your best option for third-line center, throw him in there to start the year. You get that that nine-game sample with almost like – I don't want to say without any consequences because that does mean you have to cut an extra forward. So, you know, whoever that – whether that's a Greer or a Brown, you know, you probably get those two to start. Like, yeah, you're going to risk losing one of those guys, but I think that's a relatively small price to pay to – see if Potts ready to be a third line center this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you should have a fear of, and I'm not even directing this at you, Scott, but if the Bruins are fearing losing Patrick Brown, who's been an AHL NHL journeyman um, when you have, you know, a younger player like Johnny Beecher who seems to be poised to at least take a crack at, at, at NHL fourth line center duties. It's like, at some point you just have to, you have to trust your drafting and developing and, and see if, see if these kids can sink or swim. And if, if, if you have to cut Patrick Brown to give Patra a look and I mean, did, did anybody outside of the Bruins organization know who Patrick Brown was until he put on their sweater a month ago? I'm not even trying to be insensitive to the player, but like, come on. So it's oh, like, I, I
1: did cause I covered a bunch of his games at BC, but
2: all right. All right. I'm making a point, Scott, get out of here. Um, <laughs> But yeah. but look, but look I, I think I think uh, you know you mentioned Stanika in the past, and and yeah, like like this is just one of those situations where it, one's one's career really is all about timing, opportunity, and execution of that opportunity. Because like yeah, like Jack Stanika came like there were there was one preseason like two or three years ago where you know on this podcast we talked about how Stanika had a good camp and we thought he deserved an opening night roster spot, and he didn't get it because. You know, uh you had you yeah, you you had uh I think at the time it was um Berger on Holla coil. Um but no sick. No sick, yep, yep. Yeah. Um but yeah well Potra- last season
3: I, I saw this come up and this is probably like uh the coldest of cold tapes. I wrote a I wrote a opinion piece last preseason that I it was titled like it's time for Jackson Nika to be your fourth line center or something like that. It did not age well, but also because he really didn't have a spot, right? Like it, it wasn't the right time or fit for him. Like you just mentioned, Brian. So it is about timing in that
2: way. Exactly. And, and you know, it's sometimes people will sit there and say, well, you know, it's only been a game or two or three, like don't, you know, you may, maybe, maybe, you know, tamper expectations a little bit, but, but, again it's like well at least he's doing something to make us discuss him right i mean fabian lysell has not had a, a a great camp um you know other players just haven't uh, uh george, george georgia merkulov like not much to speak of oscar steen not much to speak of like these guys that are trying to battle for roster spots you know jake Loco, like nothing crazy but but matt potter stands above not even not even all of those guys, but pretty much every player in camp, uh, aside from you know some of the bona fide NHLers that don't need to really impress at all. So it's 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 like let's not just discredit what he's doing because it's been a small sample size. Let's acknowledge that he's taking advantage in this small sample size that other players aren't, and there is an opportunity there on third line center. And and yeah, like Frederick Frederick hasn't been a great guy at the dot in his NHL career when he's been there. Like maybe average at best. Maybe Scott, you have the, those numbers off the top of your head. Cause, cause you're, you're like, you're like that, but it, it's below left. 50%. I don't know
1: exactly, but it's below 50%. Yeah. for Sure. Yeah.
2: And, and there's versatility there. Like you want to throw geeky on fourth line center, maybe beat you down to Providence. or you want to put one of those guys on the wing. There's flexibility there. And um, yeah, Potcher's had a, he's at a great camp. And I, I, I think you can kind of tell he, he's just, he's just a, he's a, He's a hockey player. He just he just gets it. Like you watch him on the power play tonight in Philly, and it's like, yeah, Geeky scores the goal on a nice pass from Coyle, by the way. But it's like Patra, he, he looks good on that, on that half wall. And, you know, I think Coyle got the puck in the corner, and Patra doesn't stay in the middle of the boards. Like he he sneaks down towards the corner. He he makes himself available for that that short pass. And then, you know. The, uh, the play progresses from there, but he's good at getting open. He's good with spacing and he just, he just understands the game really well. And so um, that's not something you see in all, from all these players in camp so far.
3: Yeah. Just to make it short and sweet, he's NHL ready. I mean, that's like what it boils down to with all of those things that we've talked about. He's NHL ready. And I, and he's, I don't think going to get much out of going back down. So um, put him. On, I mean, I'm, I'd be interested to see him next to Trent Frederick at some point in the preseason. Um, I don't believe they've played together. Maybe they've practiced on a line together, Scott, but um, I'd be interested to see him next to Frederick because Frederick is someone that if, if Patrick was to make the third line center role, more than likely he'd have Frederick on his wing and Frederick has speed. Um, he's someone that can get open going to the net. Um, it'd be interesting to see, chemistry if if it's if it's there right away or at least start building it if you want him to be on the team to to just get a look at the chemistry that those two could have
1: yeah i don't believe they have even in practice i'd have to look back through my notes maybe like a day at some point um but yeah you know and on frederick like the montgomery's already told us he prefers to keep frederick on the wing that's he's been abundantly clear about that. So I don't even think, you know, I think Frederick could slide over to center in a pinch, but it doesn't really seem like he's under any consideration to actually be the third line center. It's, it's basically Morgan geeky or someone bumps him out. And that's someone right now is Patra. So, um, yeah, the, I, I guess just the last thing I would note is cause I kind of touched on it. If Patra gets, those NHL games to, for people to, you know, for them to take a, a longer look, especially if like, if geeky gets bumped down to fourth line center, just don't be surprised if Johnny Beecher starts the year in Providence, because I, I like was saying this to Brian out Like they're going to want to maintain center depth in case those nine games don't go well. And it turns out Potra's not really ready. Like I, I know, Brian, you said, like, don't be worried about losing Patrick Brown. And to, to an extent, I agree. But if you open the season with Patrick Brown as your 13th forward, then at least you you kept an extra center. And I know Patrick Brown struggled on face-offs Monday night. And I, I thought he had an all-around tough game, honestly. I, you know, he didn't do himself a ton of favors. But in general, I think he's a pretty solid player. He's, I think, 56% on face-offs in his career. So he is usually very good on faceoffs. Um then you can make the decision like after those nine games, if you know how you're gonna line it up, and maybe you could call Beecher up then if you really think he's your best option as as fourth line center. But until you know exactly what you're doing with Patra, I think you're gonna see them want to maintain as much center depth as possible. So, you know, just prepping people don't don't freak out because oh my god patrick brown made the team and johnny Beecher's in providence like doesn't mean it's going to be that way the whole year
3: yeah and and the reason being is that Beecher doesn't have to clear waivers so he can go down and you're not putting him out there for some other team to grab him when if you were to waive um one of the older guys um more more veteran guys like brown you'd have to put him out there for some other team um to potentially pick him up before he landed in Province. um so yeah I, i and you said you just said this um you know he wasn't someone that made a case for himself
0: ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
3: There's a few other guys that did not make cases for themselves tonight, and I would put Fabian Lysel in that category. I think by the end of the game, you could see his frustration in the third period. He had like the spinning shot that got blocked and he smashed his stick on the ice. And then the next shift, Montgomery actually took him off that line um, and put Steen in his spot. And I mean, eventually it's not like he took him out of the game, but he did switch things up. And, um, you know, you don't want him to be reacting to adversity with that kind of like frustration that was clearly showing on him in the third.
1: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's been kind of a tough camp in preseason overall for Lysel. I just think he's he's struggled to make an impact. He hasn't really had very many mo- flashy moments offensively. He hasn't had a lot of space. He's had some tough turnovers. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, like, give him an excuse because there really shouldn't be any, but, like, I do kind of think, like, I do kind of wonder – you know, we, we know that concussion delayed his offseason training. I wonder if that, you know, threw things off to, to some extent. But on the other hand, like, no one really has excuses. Everyone came into camp healthy. So, you know, it, at this point, it seems pretty much a lock that Lysol is going to be starting the year in Providence. It does not seem like he's really making a serious push for an NHL roster spot at this point. Um, And maybe that's part of the frustration is he knows, you know, it's getting close to cut time. He hasn't put his best foot forward. He thinks, you know, maybe tonight's his last shot. And he's frustrated that it still wasn't happening for him. Like, I don't know, but you you just hope that he goes down to Providence with the right mindset and works his ass off and, you know, has a good season. And maybe at some point this year, he's ready and gets a call up. But for now, he doesn't, look like someone who's particularly close to being ready for opening night in the NHL. So yeah, you, you, you would hope for better from, from your top prospect, especially when you see, you know, Potcher and Laura making really strong cases for themselves. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not out on my or anything, you know, probably down on him a little in the moment, but yeah, has, has not been as the best preseason for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems to me he's overthinking and he's lacking confidence. So that's a pretty damning combination to be going against you. And, uh, you know, I just think that it it is disappointing because clearly there's a lot on the line for him this preseason. And I think he knows that. And I think that's why you're seeing him overthink. And that's, you know, when you're overthinking and you're not making simple plays and, you know, plays are dying on your stick instead of, you know, being created and you're supposed to be an offensive player, then that lack of confidence comes in and you start just, you know, really becoming your own worst enemy. So um, I I think it's a combination of, of those two things. And this is probably as bad as it gets, I would say for him for a preseason um, considering his, his hopes and, and, um, and his skill level, but like I said, I think this might be some of the, hopefully some of the least effective hockey we see out of him going forward. I think maybe go, yeah, go to Providence, get your feet wet this, this season and, you know, find your game again. And then that way when you do get a chance, because, you know, I'm sure he will this season, like if somebody goes down on the wing, I'm sure he might be, you know, especially if it's like a top six type winger or somebody they need to score. Uh, Um, Oftentimes, you'll see like a fourth line type winger come come up from the minors because of that that's the role they're filling. But he'll he'll get a look if if injuries play a role this year. If he's if he does indeed start in Providence, which all indications are that he will. So i I don't know. I don't know if I love his temperament or his his demeanor. His he he kind of. You know, I don't know what the what the deal was when he got drafted, and how they mentioned that there was some maybe some character flaws. I don't know much of the details behind those that story, but I do kind of when I watch him, when I watch him in interviews, uh in, you know, media scrums, he just doesn't seem. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, I, Scott. I'm, you've you've spoken with him, but he doesn't see on our
3: podcast this summer. Scott had about a ten minute conversation yeah. with him,
2: and maybe so Scott, maybe it, firsthand, you can tell me otherwise, but he doesn't seem very personable but also on the ice, he just kind of seems like, I don't know. It, it's, I'm not trying like to, he, 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 he just, he just seems like, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm here. To, it's like the Marshawn Lynch. Like I'm just here. So I don't get fine type type mentality, but also on the ice, he just doesn't seem like, I don't know. I just feel like he might have some maturity to do. I think
1: my experience off the ice, I think he's fine. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, not the most outgoing or, you know, greatest interview in the world. But he's not rude or arrogant or anything like that. Like, I think he's just a little reserved, quiet off the ice. I think what you see on the ice is I do think he lets his emotions show. And sometimes, right, like there's good emotions to let show on the ice. I think he lets bad ones show and, you know, body language. You mentioned like the slamming a stick. Um, even like the like the very first shift, he went offside, and like it, it was hard to tell if he was trying to dump the puck in before he realized it was offsides, or if he just like whacked the puck after the whistle. But that was like it was like a same sort of situation where it just like looked odd. Um. So yeah, I think I think on the ice, just how he reacts to situations. Could probably use some work. Um,
3: that does come with age and experience yeah. as well. Um, one of the things he, one oh, of the so main the, things.
1: The, the, the Bruins' current captain once had issues with, with his emotions on the ice. A yeah, so little bit. Can, just a little can, bit. Yeah.
3: Um, so, and one of the things that I, I really took away from Scott's interview with Fabian Lysell in the offseason was that one of the things that he thought hurt him last season was fatigue and that's I'm we're at in preseason um fatigue is not a factor at this point um you know his production slowed down in Providence at the end of the season before he got the injury um because he mentioned he was feeling burnt out um and that's not something that you'll be seeing here in the preseason so um maybe he's obviously because of the concussion not had a lot of time to train or not as much as some of the other guys but fatigue is not a factor here um I don't think that was an excuse I think he he was being honest and he knew that he needed to work on that so maybe you know getting stronger more conditioning and maybe just getting a little bit of advice on how to handle um, adversity and tougher situations sending him down to Providence is not you know, it, it, it'll, it'll be able to help him in those ways. Um, So he'll still be playing pro hockey at a higher level, but just not quite um for Boston, at least to start the season.
2: And I, I also think that the good news for him is, cause I think there's better days ahead for him for sure. I think he's one of those prospects and players where his skating ability is far too elite for him to never turn out into an NHL player. Like I think on skating ability alone, he's, he's you know he's not Connor McDavid but he's pretty damn good um and and so he just needs to you know figure out how to best utilize that at the NHL level and and keep things simple and whatnot but I mean his his skating game is is there it's 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 really really strong it's very evident when you see him play so I mean that's huge he just needs to you know I think he needs to get confidence back in his game and 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 Mm -hmm. simplicity and he'll he'll be fine but It doesn't look like he'll be there in October, though.
3: No, and you want to know just the idea that just popped into my head. I feel like maybe just having a conversation with Jake DeBrusque, who is somebody who at times kind of felt a little bit isolated and went through some of the mental stuff um, and trying to get over it. And he's come back from it, and he's been good. Um, Maybe someone like Jake DeBrusque could relate to him some ways to cope with things like that if that really is an issue for him. Um, you know, there's, there's always guys around you that are, you know, been through what you've been through and DeBrusque is, you know, on the older side not, he's not old, but he's on the veteran side compared to Lysel. Maybe somebody like that could, um, give him a little bit of insight.
1: Yeah. And you know, look, going out to Providence is, it's not the end of the world for him. Like he, he still, as of right now, has just one season as a pro having a second is not a bad thing and doesn't, you know, doesn't make him a bust or anything. Like it's, it's fine. And he's going to be playing with good play. He'll be on Providence's top line. You know, he'll probably have, I don't know, Georgie Merkulov as a center or, you know, he's going to be with good players. Like it's, it's not a bad situation. So as long as he has, you know, the key is have the right attitude going down. Like we're talking about, he he looked a little frustrated tonight yeah, I'm sure if he goes down, he's going to be disappointed that he didn't make a make a better push. But, you know, you can't let that then carry into Providence's season. And next thing you know, you've had, you know, a slow first month or two months. Because now, if you go down there and do that, now the Bruins are going to look at you and say, all right, well, you know, maybe, hey, Jake DeBrus got injured. Well, geez, you know, Lysel doesn't really look ready. He hasn't been great down in Providence. Like... You got to go down with the attitude of, hey, my moment could come anytime. Like it could come tomorrow, next week. Like go down and, you know, try to set the world on fire. So um, hopefully that's the attitude he takes.
2: So just to wrap up, uh, you know, some of this talk, obviously up front, the three of us are pretty high on Patra, at least getting a nine game trial in the NHL. Um, and we just spoke on Phoebe and myself. For me, guys, and not to, you know, skip over anything you wanted to talk about, but we have obviously time for to all give some closing thoughts. But for me, the other the other big storyline to go to the back end is 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 the strong play of, of Mason Lori. And from a skill perspective, from a poise perspective, and from a size perspective, I just feel like uh, I just whether it's opening night or two months into the season, I just really am enamored with the idea. Of the Bruins having your top two left defensemen being Lindholm and Lori. And if Grizzly, if Matt Grizzly is your third shot, is your third left shot on your D, on your third D pair, that's a pretty damn good decor. I mean, I just think he's got like if, if your top four was a combination of McAvoy, Lindholm, Lori, and Carlo, like that's just that size that you can't teach, it's skill that you can't teach. And for me, the odd man out in this situation is Derek Forbert. With, again, whether it's for opening night or a little bit down the line in the regular season, I think one of Derek Forbert or Matt Rislick will eventually, I believe, become expendable because of the emergence of Mason Lurie. It might take a few months into the season. It might be opening night. I don't know, but he's been impressive, and I think the future is very, very bright with McAvoy, Lindholm, Lori and Carlo as your, as your uh, top four defensemen.
1: Yeah, I mean, we haven't, so we haven't had a podcast since uh, Friday night's game. So obviously we've been focusing mostly on Monday night's game because that just happened. But Friday night, yeah, I mean, Mason Laura was probably their best player. And, you know, we, we had covered his first preseason game when he played not 29 minutes, but at least 25 and was good. And then I thought he was even better in that second game on Friday night and just, like, really poised, calm, confident, especially with the puck on his stick, had started a couple of really nice breakouts, like, one where he had it behind his own net, skated right up the middle, kind of, like, shook off a forecheck with, like, a quick little move and went right up the middle of the ice. Another where he had a nice, long stretch past the David Pasternak, Um, and then was involved in the offensive zone, and you just saw that, consistently you know i think i think he still has work to do on the defensive side of his game you still want to see him develop some more physicality i don't think he's ever going to be um you know like he's never going to be this dano char he's never going to be a, a huge physical presence but at least use his size more and better um you know that that's stuff he could potentially work on at the nhl level like if he if he did win a roster spot, I don't, I don't think he'd look bad. Like you know, I think that'd still be enough where you'd say, okay, we'll live with some growing pains. Because the Bruins are so deep on defense already, I think it's totally okay to send him down to Providence and have him work on it there. Um, you know, if you if you line up your top six as Grislik, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, forbert Shattenkirk, like I, I think you're in pretty good shape. And then, then you can see where you're at. If Lorre gets off to a strong start, someone struggles or gets injured, he can be the next guy up and and get his chance. Um, you know, because the other part of this is I'm increasingly thinking that, you know, Jacob, you, you mentioned Forbert being an odd man out, potentially in the top six at least. I feel like Jacob Zaboral's leaning towards being an odd man out, period. And part of it's not his fault. He got injured in the first preseason game and missed almost a full week of training camp, which is, which is tough, but you know, Ian Mitchell has played well. They can probably only keep one of those guys. Um, Mitchell provides depth on the right side. And it certainly seems like Mason Laurie is pretty damn close to being ready to be the, the first guy up on the left side, if anything happens. So, yeah, I think if you start him in Providence, that's fine. And, you know, the second that you you need depth on the left side, which is going to happen at some point, there's injuries on in defense every year. Um, you could see him get his chance and run with it.
3: Yeah, um, I wanted to – well, just because in Monday's game, I thought Ian Mitchell had a strong game. And I had noticed even earlier in preseason that he ha- he's kind of – an offensive-minded guy. He threw a lot of pucks on net from the point. Uh, he drifted in closer. I thought he had another strong game. I think he was, um, of the of the people that are on the bubble on defense, I, I think he's made a pretty good case for himself there. Um, Laura, I it, it's another one it'd be exciting to see. But at this point, I just think he's a little bit too far outside the depth chart for him to start. In Boston. Um, you mentioned the size. He does have good size. Uh he and it's been really nice to see that he's been able to handle some difficult defensive situations uh with NHL guys putting pressure on him. Um so like getting to see him up against some of the better players, um, not just guys his own age and not just guys that are AHLers, um, kind of gives you an insight into what he could be and maybe even very soon. But As of right now, the addition of Shattenkirk kind of complicates things for those guys that are right on the bubble there. Um, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts from Shattenkirk's game on Friday uh, as someone that we were seeing for the first time here in Boston. Um, As one of the veteran guys who doesn't have the kind of speed uh, that Laura could bring, um, just thoughts on – I guess where those guys kind of pan out in your mind.
1: Yeah. I thought, I thought Shank looked like a veteran playing his first preseason game of the year and, you know, still, still having some things to build. Like generally veterans don't come out flying the way, you know, young kids do in that first preseason game because they're, they're just focused on different things. Like they're not, they're not trying to make, you know, the great first impression. They're trying to work on little things here and there. Um, I think Shanker is still pretty safe in the lineup to start. Um, but yeah, like I, I, you know, I do think it's possible that like a forward Shattenkirk third pairing winds up not being good enough. I My guess is it's going to be fine. And I do like, Having someone with, you know, a little more puck moving skill next to Forbert than Connor Clifton did, because I thought last year, especially against better opponents, you saw that Forbert Clifton pairing get pinned in their own zone quite a bit, uh, especially in the playoffs against Florida. So I think Shankirk helps in that respect. Um, You know, Ian Mitchell, he's played 82 NHL games. It's not like he's this. It's not like he's a kid who has no NHL experience. Um, I would point out his, his analytics in those 82 games, not good. Now, he was on a bad Chicago team, so that's certainly a factor. But, you know, the defensive side of his game definitely has, needs work as well. Like One thing I think that's really sad this preseason is the Bruins create a lot of chances when he's on the ice because he's involved offensively. They've also given up quite a few. So, you know, you're, you're, you're taking and giving with, with Ian Mitchell on the game. I think he's perfectly fine as a seventh defenseman, though. And like I said, the having more depth on the right side, just looking at like, the Bruins roster and depth chart seems to make a little more sense than keeping an, F, an extra left shot in Zaborl to me right now.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you know Zaboros story is, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's left a lot to be desired. I mean, he, he's been dra- he was drafted eight years ago. You know, twenty six years old, seventy six NHL games played. Um, you know, it, a lot of injury issues there for sure, and bad luck. But that's part of the story, right? Like durability and lack thereof is that's part of your story. It's a lot of bad luck, but it's just the way that it is. So. Yeah, I think I think his time might be might be coming to an end. Um, you're right about Shat and Kirk. I think he uh, Bridget to your question about him. I just think he's, you know, what you're getting out of him. Um, there's more composure there to his game than there is Clifton's. Obviously, uh, Clifton has um, intangibles that that Shat and Kirk I don't think brings at this stage in his career. I mean, the physicality, um, consistent physicality. I mean, Clifton was one of the, I think he was the Bruins maybe highest hitter last year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and but you know he got. Yeah, Cliffy hockey, and he had that wild card speed and rush ability. But um, Shattenkirk makes the right plays. He makes high percentage plays back there, and you don't have to be a speedster on the back end. You just got to have good gap control and good IQ, and I think he has that. Um, and then as far as like, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. I think Lori probably starts in Providence just because there's no, you know, there's really they're really it, it, defense is a it's a it's a position of strength for them, so they don't have to rush him just yet. But I I really do believe that in one way shape or form um, he'll be in their top six at some point this year, whether it's through injuries or just his play forcing the Bruins to put him into their lineup at some point. Um, But yeah, they're in good shape on defense, but I definitely thought it was worth a storyline worth following. He's looked good. He, you know, he played alongside McAvoy. And I just think that's a, that's a glimpse into the future for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I thought he looked good alongside Carlo too. So You've seen him, you know, both spots. He could be in the top four. Um, And that'd be a
3: really big defensive pair. Like those are two tall guys right there.
1: Yeah. Just a a last thought on Zaboro. Like a fresh start might be the best thing for him to, you know, who knows if someone would even claim him, um, especially where he has a salary over a million dollars and not, you know, not in that league minimum range. But if someone did like that might be the best thing for him because, he doesn't want to be the seventh defenseman for another year if he's if he's going long stretches without playing games. And again, like this year, you add in the Lori factor where it's like, even if Zaborro started the season as the seventh defenseman on the depth chart, if Grizzly, Lindholm, or Forber gets hurt, like the Bruins might just call up Lori and then he plays ahead of Zaborro. So it's, you know, I just feel like at this point, like it's not not the best situation for him and he might get more opportunities somewhere else. And that might be the best thing for his career at this point.
3: Yeah. I think it, it at least in this preseason, he has made the most of those opportunities. Um, uh, and even more so than in past preseasons where we were like, Oh, you know, we're seeing him come back from injury and he's showing these signs. I feel like we haven't had many positive signs, for him
1: well, I mean again in fairness, like he missed almost a full week. He's only played half a game so far. And and
3: wasn't he um non-contact?
1: Uh he was non-contact Friday. I wasn't I mean, there this was, morning. I don't know if he's back, but
3: yeah, okay. for some reason I thought I saw Fluto tweet that he was non-contact still, but um Anyway, that's something to take into consideration as well. I don't know where you guys want to go from here. Um, I mean, there's plenty of other options. Uh, we haven't talked about goaltending at all, but that's probably because it's. I've i played well. Can, Walmart- we do,
1: can we do like a a quick rapid fire on a couple of bottom six guys that we haven't touched on? Just I just want to get you, gauge you guys' opinions on. Do you think they're trending towards? making the team or not. So I'll start with Jesper Boquist. What do you guys think?
2: I think so. I think the Bruins are going to like his versatility and and just his uh, his high floor. I think um, as a player in the bottom six, I think he'll be a reliable player for them in in, in, in different roles if need be.
3: Um, I haven't been very impressed by him, honestly, but I do think he's ahead of some of the other bubble guys. So he's a bottom six player on this current roster as it stands right now.
1: Yeah. Jacob Loco
2: in. I think he's um, it, probably Providence. I feel like maybe to start, is that even an well, option for him? Is he, is he, is he on a one way or two way still? Uh,
1: well, he's on a, he's on a two way contract, but he needs to go through waivers. So his his salary goes down if he's in Providence, but he he would be exposed and someone could potentially claim him.
2: Hmm. Bridget, what do you think? I mean, that that one's tougher. That is tougher. Um,
3: that one is harder. Um, I feel like maybe, yeah. But that kind of brings you back to thinking. I'm just like jotting down like potential lines, and that makes me think if he if he does make it then that really does mean Beard not seeing Beecher to start the season. And we talked about how that's kind of the easier move to make. So maybe they, to start the year, make the easier move, send Beecher down without exposing him. Uh, so I'm going to guess, I'm going to go with yes. He's on the team to start the season.
1: Yeah. I, I realized that I didn't get my answer, but yeah, I think Boquist I think is in right now. Lauko I think is in. We saw Alex Chieson get released from his PTO. He's gone. Stanton Heinen still here on a PTO. I thought he played pretty well Friday. Do You guys think he's in? Oh, where are you leaning there?
2: I think it's, I think it's becoming a numbers game. And, um, I just think, I think, I think Patra just like making this case for himself to start the year. I think on nine games, it's just, it's taking a spot away from somebody and, you know Frederick and Geeky. I think are locked into that third line to start, and then you look at the fourth line, and and obviously Hein on a center, right? So I think those two guys have those wing spots, especially if Patras in that three c to start, and then the fourth line, you know, obviously it's 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 one of Brown or Beecher, right? And then you got Lucic and yeah, like I think a Boquist, so and Lauko So I think I think Heine might uh, he might get the old thanks, but no thanks.
3: Uh correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan Geeky uh, I mean he would he would be an option at fourth line center. He was fourth line center with the Kraken. So mm-hmm. I don't think necessarily Geeky. I see Geeky maybe if, if Potra makes the team, which we're we're basing like this around him making the team currently, Geeky probably centers at fourth line. Um and if lauco makes the fourth line and Lucci is your other fourth liner that does leave Heinen outside the bubble
1: yeah yeah so I think I think Heinen I feel like there's only room for two out of the three out of Boquist, Lauko, Heinen you know guys who are gonna mostly play wing like Boquist has played a little center I don't think it's his strongest position um so yeah it does kind of seem like it was weird. like after Friday night's game, I thought maybe Heinen's getting an edge on on Boquist in particular, and then I thought Boquist played well Monday night, and Jim Montgomery has had very good things to say about Boquist pretty much all camp. So I feel like that's that's kind of telling, um, especially because you know Heinen's one of his former players at Denver. He was he was his best player at Denver. Like mm-hmm. he could easily be over the top on praising Heinen if he, you know, really thought he was going to be hanging around. Um, and then I guess the last one, and I kind of feel like just based on what we are already talking about, we all think he's, he might be gone, but AJ Greer is, is he making a case to stay or do you see him getting shuffled out?
3: Um I think he's out. Uh, I liked him last season. I think he's somebody that was well-liked in the locker room as well. Um, I mean, when I'm drawing up the fourth line, I could see it being Lucci Geeky Greer or, or something like that. Um, but he's not the one that we keep circling back to, like, our our guys. Like, Like, honestly, when I was drawing this up, he came way down towards the bottom of my list. Um, I think if if it's true and they're really focusing on this this season, having a tougher lineup, um, which has been mentioned in training camp, that this is going to be a season that they focus on being more physical, then maybe because of that he is in over somebody else. Um, but Lauko is also somebody who can be physical. Both of those guys got into fights in the preseason um, to try to make those cases for themselves.
2: Yeah, I think, I think Lauko placed Greer tries to play tough, but I think Lauko is more effective at playing tough just because he gets under player skins. He's, you know, a faster skater. He's on the forecheck more. I think, yeah, I think Greer is one of those situations where if he's on a line with Lucic there's just not enough good hockey plays being made out there um on the wings in my opinion with if those two are on the ice at the same time and like if there's a if there's a 5 on 5 line brawl yeah it'd be nice to have those t- those two guys on the same line and you know whatever but like um We need
3: I, uh, can we can we get one per game? Like if that's yeah. the line like I want one per game
2: i mean if if things were to get rough right over over a playoff series or stretch of regular season games and you have a lineup that has lucic and greer and frederick and a couple guys that can drop the gloves it's great i don't think that's the game anymore like that's clearly the league's not really like that anymore um i just don't think greer look he he had some good plays last year he started off strong great preseason. good starts the regular season um Couple of you know nice goals from throughout the year, but I just don't think he makes enough plays with on a stick with a puck on a stick to really merit, especially when you've brought in toughness this year in Lucic and whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough, but it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game, you know.
3: Um, Can I say like when I'm looking at who he has to beat out? He has to beat out uh, Heinen, Lauko, or Bokost, really. Um, and
1: possibly two of them. Like you might have to be, uh, yeah, of
3: those guys. Po- possibly two. So, um, that's it's tough. And it actually, I mean, if you think about it, Boquist and Heinen are not the same kind of players as him. So it's really more about beating out Lauco in a way. If that's if the Bruins prioritize a uh, a heavier kind of player than a more kind of skilled player. Um I'm Boqist and Heinen are both not known for being super physical. Um and Lauko and Greer are. So uh that could be the determining factor on the decision between him and say Heinen or Lauko.
1: Yeah, it it, it sort of felt this way from the moment they signed Lucic, but there's like a, there's a lot of duplication there and it kind of felt like signing Lucic, you know, potentially already put the writing on the wall for Greer. Like, it's just hard to see a spot for for both of them. Like, you're, you're going to want – you want guys in your bottom six who can do more than, you know, just throw some hits and drop the gloves. Like, yeah, I get that they want to be more physical, and Jim Montgomery has said that. But you also lost a lot of offense from last year, and someone needs to provide – secondary scoring and like there's not a lot of offense in Greer's game there's not a lot in Lucic's game now you know if Patrick Brown's around there's not a lot in his game that's not what he does like someone someone's mm-hmm. gonna bring some and Andy wants some speed somewhere so yeah, yeah I mean does...
3: geeky, if Geeky centers that
2: then it, I mean I, I kind of like the
3: idea I, I just I sometimes I just root for chaos and the. The chaos that would be caused by a line that had Greer and Lucic on it, um, I'd be willing to just, um, even though it may not be the best looking line that you could put together, it, I'd be interested in seeing it. So, so just, just purely in an enter from an entertainment standpoint,
2: it it would be like watching the Bash Brothers for sure. But <laughs> i i don't I don't love the idea of. And 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 look to be fair, I need to watch him more. It's so, but I don't love the idea of Morgan Geeky centering a fourth line with Lucci's because I don't like the foot speed there. Um, I, I I actually really like the concept of a line, and again, maybe it's not on October 11th against Chicago, but maybe it's in December or November or maybe later. In, but I I like the uh, the concept of a line with Beecher in his size and speed, but modern age skill set. Um, centering an old school brute in Lucic. and then, you know, the young new modern modern pest um, with skill in Jacob Lauco. I think there's a lot of grit there, a lot of size and speed, and just that that could be a good fourth line. I think they could I think they could
3: that in that case Boquist is out too.
2: Well, that's fine. I mean, whatever. I mean, or
3: maybe the extra forward.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always an extra guy. Forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's always changing, you know. But I just mean, like, I think that's an effective line, and I, I'm not sold on that line defensively. I'd have to see it, but I just think that there's some potential there. I, yeah.
1: I,
3: I, I just the only thing I disagree with is I think that Geeky would make the most sense to start at, at fourth line center. If Patra is like, we're, we're, I feel like I'm writing this whole thing around. Like the only player I haven't moved at all was Patra in the third line center role. Um, but I feel like geeky centers, the fourth line and to, to just like kind of compare it to last year's fourth line, he did have better stats than no um, in fewer games last season. Uh, Nosik was a guy that did not have a lot of offensive output and that that fourth line wasn't necessarily a line that you could look at for depth scoring and and even at times greer was one of the people who was doing it so um that line i know you're looking for depth scoring but that line it could be more of an energy line if you wanted it to be
1: yeah i mean that i just think like it it changes the dynamic like yeah, Geeky does bring more offense than Nosik. Nosik was better defensively. So,
3: be soft, I think, right?
1: Yeah. So, like, if it's Lucic, Geeky, whoever, I don't think that's a line that's, you know, starting like seventy-five percent of their shifts in the D zone. I, I, I don't know that that line's going to be good enough defensively to handle that. So, yeah. it just changes the dynamic. It changes how you use it. It certainly could work. Um, but the same I, I thing do also if like, I do also like Brian's idea though. Like I I like the, the two faster plays with Lucic and we, we saw that exact line Lucic, Beecher, Lauko I think to start training camp or very early in training camp. I don't I don't remember if they got in I don't remember if they played a game together, but they definitely had several practices together. And like that element seemed to work of like two faster guys with you know, Lucic kind of holding down the fort, whether it's around the net front or, you know, dipping below the goal line or whatever.
3: Well, just to play devil's advocate again, uh, you think that Beecher defensively is better off than Geeky? I mean, we're talking about two guys that... Mm, He might be. Okay, well, that's just the question. Like, because he's... This is going to be his first NHL experience so if you have him centering the fourth line, like you need to make sure he's defensively sound as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, part part of part of this year for me though as well is like let's find out. You know, yeah. like let, let let's give let's give him a little bit of leash to see. Um, that's kind of part of this year for me too. I, I don't know the answers to that for sure. To Scott's point, like he might be, he could be, and I honestly, I, like I said, I haven't seen Geeky a ton either because he was out in Seattle and and Carolina mm-hmm. before that. So um, that's part of this too. Like like. See, see what guys can do with what the the opportunity that's out there and that's again like last year was fun to watch this team go on a historic pace but there's there's so many more storylines this year to follow um that we didn't get to follow last year competition do you, constantly
3: do you think greer would get claimed
1: i don't know and I, I think it it would be really close because I could definitely see. I could see some team out there just saying like hey, we need a little more toughness. We need someone, you know, willing to drop the gloves like mm-hmm. I mean, look, he he played 61 games for the greatest regular season team of all time. Like
0: yeah.
1: clearly he didn't he didn't hurt them. Like, <laughs> you know, what you know what I mean? Like he had a role and for the vast majority of the season was pretty effective at it. So, I could definitely see a team looking at at what he did last year and saying yeah you know what we have a spot for that on our fourth line
3: do you think lauco would get claimed
1: yeah i do
3: okay because i feel like that could factor in like who are we willing to risk like roll the dice who can who is more likely to clear
1: yeah i mean i guess greer would be more likely to clear um i just think because lauco is a little younger like a, I think teams would see a little more upside there. So um yeah, I, I think he would probably get claimed.
2: And the Bruins have also spent more time on him, right, as a homegrown yeah. prospect, right? So yeah, I mean, this is there's two more preseason games before October 11th, so you have they play the Rangers and then the Capitals, so still some some games to shake to shake some things out and you know, we'll we'll get a better obviously idea of the opening night roster and we'll have predictions for the season and whatnot. But um did either of you two have any other storylines from the weekend? Just, well,
3: I was just, just going to say that opening night hype video is going to be very different than it was last year. Like, you know, the, the video they play before us, like so much Bergeron. I mean, even Greer has the, like the highlight where he grabs it and kisses it. Like it, yeah. just to think about like, how different they're g- that's going to be completely yeah, well, different well they, they
1: can bring back all the lucci highlights there you go
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the old one, the one am mm-hmm. throwing someone through the glass bring that one back it'll oh, be a
2: combination of uh milan lucic 08 highlights and charlie Coyle <laughs> south shore kings highlights
3: that's going to be a different one i'm i'm um, ready for it cuz Scott and I we get our popcorn we sit down and we we listen to the anthem and we watch the hype video and then we get some hockey going
1: the the only the last guy I was going to mention it was someone who i would say 5 days ago I thought might make a push um and that's Anthony Richard who just his speed stands out He's, he's a very fast skater uh i think the last two games have been kind of rough for him. So, you know, he was, he was a top 10 score in the HL last year. You could kind of see the Bruins thinking of, you know, they got Greer right after he had a breakthrough HL season after years of bouncing around. Anthony Richard did the same thing last year, like career year after bouncing around, seemed to find his game. Um, I just, the last couple of games, I think he's, it's, you know he struggled and that's that's probably enough to to drop you out of out of contention for a bottom six job um he also has to go through waivers so maybe someone claims him or he ends up in providence but there there was a time not too long ago i thought he might be able to make a push but doesn't really seem mm-hmm. like it
3: and two transactions we haven't talked about but kyle kaiser and john farinacci were both sent down to providence and farinacci was Somebody they grabbed as a free agent when he became available. His eligibility ran out with Arizona. He came over. He's a Harvard guy. Um, we talked a little bit about him when that um, signing was made, and he's one of the first call downs to Providence. Um, wanted to get a numbers problem there with him, and probably wanted to get a better look at him uh, because when he was with Harvard, he did have some injury issues. I think he's a, he's a decent player, so we'll see what happens with him in Providence this season, but. Kyle Kaiser, the goalie, and John Farinacci uh, both sent down to Providence.
1: Yeah, I think that's what, well, like 12, 14 guys that have been sent down now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Farinacci was always going to need AHL time. Uh, you know, Michael DiPietro cleared waivers, so he got sent down. Kaiser, I imagine, is going to clear waivers. We'll find out uh, Tuesday afternoon. And then he'll get sent down and then you have, you know, you keep all your, all your goalie depth right now. They're down to, you know, only three of them left in the NHL camp, all Mark Swain and Bussy. So um, I imagine it's probably all Mark and Swayman the rest of the way in preseason, but maybe Bussy gets a game or half a game at some point. Yeah. Maybe a period.
2: Yeah. There's, there's a, there's one player, um, I meant to ask you guys about how you felt that their, their camp has gone so far, whether it's during games or in practice, but um, is Brett Harrison.
3: Oh yeah.
1: I think, I think he's been good and he's, you know, he's hung around longer than, well, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised, but you know, he, he has hung around and I think you definitely see like his shot is just a strength. Like if he gets set up in a scoring area, he has, a really good shot, hard, accurate. Um, I think he's brought some other things as well that have, you know, even on top of that. And he's doing it as someone, you know, kind of playing wing for the first time. He's maybe played a little wing in the past, but he's a natural center that they're they're starting on the wing this year in Providence. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from him uh, in the same vein of someone who, I think has, you know, impressed a little more than I was anticipating and hung around a little longer. Trevor Kunta too, the, you know, Boston college product. Um,
3: I saw him. I did a few Boston college games last year. I saw him. Well, I saw him in one game. He was suspended for the other game. Um, they had a whole uh, Bruins line of, three guys that were all drafted by Boston. And, and he was, I mean, he's a, he's a tough player in, in college hockey. He was physical, hence the suspension. Um, and he's not afraid to mix it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. I'd say both of them, Harrison and Kunt are obviously, you know, very long shots for NHL playing time in the, you know, immediate future. But I think they've both, they've both shown out pretty well this preseason and in training camp and you hope to see them build on in Providence and just create even more depth. You know, Kuntar as a winger and Harrison as a wing for now, but uh, eventually you hope down the line as a center.
3: Mm-hmm. And just one last name to, to throw out there uh, because he shares the same last name as our own Scott McLaughlin, which is Mark uh, McLaughlin. <laughs> thoughts, just thoughts on him. Cause the one guy we've not mentioned at all.
1: Brian, you want to go first on on any of those guys?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think it probably speaks a lot to just the situation, but yeah, I, I haven't even I haven't even thought about him this entire this entire episode, and and we've been talking about bottom six possibilities, and it's not that I don't think he's played himself out of that at all. Um, has he really done much to stand out from the rest? I don't know if he has, but I liked what I saw out of him last year, and I think he's a reliable player, or not last year because he was in Providence all year. Uh, but the year before when he came up at the end of the season, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I I think he last year was maybe maybe an up and down season in, in in Providence for him at least offensively. But you're not looking for him to be an offensive juggernaut in Boston. You want him to be a a sound two way responsible player on the fourth line at some point. So, um, yeah, uh, good to bring him up. I could comp- honestly completely forgot about him as an option. Um, so, but I don't see him winning a spot this camp because based off of what I've seen.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, he, it's – like, I don't think – you know, it's it's weird because last year this time we thought – we thought Mark McLaughlin was very close, and I think possibly all three of us thought he should have made the opening night roster, and
3: – I think we had Tick out of – <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure was, we were low on Nozick.
1: And, like, I don't think Mark McLaughlin has done anything over the last year to warrant, like, dropping further down with the organizational depth chart or anything. I think it's just a sign that as much as we focus on, Oh, the Bruins are a lot thinner on the top six, which is true. They have gotten deeper with bottoms, just like quality forwards who could compete for NHL jobs. And I think as a result, yeah. McLaughlin seems to kind of have gone shuffled out a little bit to where he's, it doesn't really feel like he's in serious contention for an opening night spot. I think he's had. I think he's been solid this preseason in camp. I think he's had some moments. Um, I thought Monday night. I thought he started the game. He looked like like his tail was on fire. Like he was. He had like a really energetic first shift, and then it kind of you know sort of waned in and out a little bit. Had some some good plays that I noticed him. You know he was with Patra for a good chunk of the night, and that line was the Bruins' best line. Him patra Boquist, um but Mm -hmm. patra was clearly the one driving it so Mm
2: -hmm. you know i
1: think i feel like we'd be talking about mclaughlin more if he had a goal mixed in somewhere here because his shot is one of his strengths and it we haven't like forget bearing chances we just haven't really seen him even get many chances i think he's another guy who only has like one or two shots on goal and in his um two preseason games now. So um, hasn't really been able to get in position to use that, you know, hasn't, hasn't scored at all. So if he's not doing that, you don't notice a ton about the rest of his game. Um, So yeah, I think he's a guy that, you know, if he gets called up at some point during the year, I think he's going to look fine and, you know, he'll be perfectly fine in a fourth line role but it just doesn't feel like he's going to get that out of the gate.
3: Yeah. Do you think he gets another one more preseason game? I would think.
1: Um, I don't know. That'll be interesting because Tuesday night is going to be basically like the rest of the team that didn't play Monday night. And then I, I think Thursday night, they're going to want that to be pretty close to their opening night lineup. Like there might be a couple regulars who sit for that, but. I don't, at least as of now, based on their plan, I don't think you're going to see too many guys who are, you know, clearly bound for the AHL.
3: Okay. So maybe that was it for his, um, Possibly. And for a few other guys, like you mentioned, ramping up to, uh, look at what the actual lineup might be like on, on opening night. So to look ahead, uh, Tuesday, they're at the garden. Um, Probably going to see Zaka, Pasanak Marshawn again, McAvoy. Um, maybe Lorai. You think we'll see Lorai again because he yeah. didn't play Monday. So Tuesday we might see Lorai again, uh, get another look at him. I, and think then, John,
1: I think Johnny Beecher gets another game. I bet he's in Tuesday. Yeah, yeah I mean, so- if,
2: if if this is the um, – if if, if Pacha doesn't play tomorrow because of obviously playing tonight, um, you'd have to imagine that he's going to get – He's he's earned certainly another preseason look because they're, they're going to want to see that, and that would mean that they'll have to find a spot for him in the tune-up lineup for the last game. And I think that's kind of telling. Maybe there's some reason why he played tonight because they knew that that was the case. So yeah, um, and and maybe
1: to Bridges' point earlier, maybe that's the game you see him play with Frederick and see what that yeah. looks like. So yeah,
3: absolutely, that's what I was thinking. I'm I'm thinking get him next to Frederick as soon as possible at this point, and and see what that looks like. And and uh, I think that. Pretty much progressively throughout preseason, everything they've done was kind of telling of how much they were impressed by him, putting him on the first power play unit um, on Monday, getting him a lot of shifts, playing him in different situations. um, And the fact that he's played more preseason games than pretty much everyone else, Um, he's played Uh, three out of four so and and a lot of guys uh haven't not gotten and gotten as many looks as him so i think there's a lot of things telling you that um we might see him last preseason game and and he might be there and if he can drive a third line with frederick and whomever else
1: you better put him on the team (laughs) you better put him on the team well and that was one of the, the most encouraging parts of his game monday night you look at those first two games the the first one He's on a line with James Van Riemsdyk and Jake DeBrusk, established top six NHL forwards. Second game, it was Brad Marchand and was it Boquist? Their, their wing. I I forget, but either way, Brad Marchand, one of the best left wings in the NHL. So if you were cynical, you could look at that and be like, all right, yeah, he looked good, but you know, he's playing with really good players. like, what does he do? You know, lower in the lineup. All right. Well, Monday night his linemates were Boquist and either Mark McLaughlin or Justin Brzezow. Yeah. And it's like with you know, Boquist and, and McLaughlin are good players. Brzezow is big and strong and brings you know some power forward elements, but he's an AHLer. And yet Potra was still the best player on the ice. So like, okay, there you go. Like he did it without you know, top six wingers elevating him. So um yeah, that like that was maybe the most impressive part of that.
2: But it's also a testament to him that he can keep up and make plays with those top six wingers when he does when he does yeah. get the opportunity because not every player can do that. So it's he he's showing both both ends of the spectrum.
3: Yeah, because he's in the first game was with Debrusk and Van Riemsdyk. Second game was with Marshawn and I think Heinen to start.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, you're right, yeah.
3: And great. and then uh, we see him with Boquist and McLaughlin uh, in his third chance, uh, which was preseason game four. He's really right. played with everybody, but the people he actually might play next to, I feel like.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to be playing with uh, Montgomery next game. So <laughs> Montgomery and Sacco, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, so this has been kind of a, an old school skate pod where it's been uh, pretty long. I think it's what, what, six hours in at this point? Oh, no, just now.
3: <laughs> We're excited, guys. I talked to Nick, uh, one of the our friends who's a producer, and he's like, you cannot get me to tune into preseason hockey. And I'm like, this is my favorite part of the year. <laughs> so um, ramping up for, you know, getting excited for guys that, could be fun storylines to watch and it's also we're about to start college hockey so i'm i'm all excited for hockey now and the red Sox are over <laughs> and they put us out of our misery so um i don't have to worry about that anymore and it's all hockey from here on out
2: yeah and there was definitely a lot to cover and you know individual performances and whatnot so i think going forward obviously we'll see how these last two preseason games shake out and what the roster's looking like and I'm sure we'll be coming back for some, you know, roster projections, predictions and standing projections and stuff like that. So, Oh um, Scott,
3: aren't you putting an article out soon about that? Yes. No. Did you already do that?
1: Mm, well, I did. I did a roster projection after the third preseason game on Friday. So I'll probably do another one after like the last preseason game. I think mm-hmm. just do it every three games. Sounds but good? I, I guess got, I say, even just from like Friday, I already feel like I'm changing my mind on a few guys, so no,
3: recency bias. Watch was, out for your recency bias.
1: Yeah. Well, that th- that was part of me throwing throwing names at you guys. You know, get. He's <laughs> trying to cheat. So, yeah. Cheating on the yeah. test yeah. over here.
2: Yeah, it'll be fun to watch the uh, the Calder race between Connor Bedard and Matt Patra. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch. Yeah. That'd be incredible.
3: That would be the biggest. Like dark horse story that we've seen in a long time, but it, that's a long shot. But that'd be great.
2: I mean, based based off of what I've seen, I mean Bedard's gonna be a hundred point guy this year. I mean he's he's stupid, but um, I mean based off what I've seen in preseason yeah. with with some opportunity, I could see I could see Pachar scoring you know twenty five to thirty five points this year if if he plays like a full slate of games. I mean he that, that's that's not nothing for a nineteen year old. Yeah, maybe maybe turning twenty. So.
1: Hey, Patrice Bergeron didn't win the Calder, so you're you're fine if you're not winning that. Yeah, yeah. but
2: uh, didn't Ray he cross? Lost,
1: he lost out to to some some goalie that I think we might know.
3: <laughs> That's true. Um, all right, guys, I think we got through way too much, um, so I think we're it's time to sign off so that I can edit and then go to bed.
2: All right, Scott, anything left from you?
1: Nope. all good.
2: All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you very soon.